Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Come on, give Jesus a praise this morning. Come on, for real, for real, for real. Yeah. So when you send us out, that's what you're sending us to. When you release us into the nations, the gifts and the things that have been invested in us through years, we get a chance to walk in that stuff. When you send us out with the blessing and the hand of God on us, we get to see people in other places around the earth come to Jesus. We saw miracles Tangible, notable, writable, (laughs) documentable miracles. And I'm grateful that that's the type of church that we've been sent from. And that's what I'm grateful that I get to come home to. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Amen. So I'm glad to be home. There's a lot of stuff that I'm just going to kind of share from my spirit today, more than notes, because I think... Um, At the end of the day, God always does as much in us as he does through us when we go out. And I'm always challenged by what I see, what I experience. Um, I love that years ago, um, one of my favorite worship leaders um, from afar, I met her one time at a coffee shop in Dallas, Texas at a conference I was at. Her name is Darlene Sheck. Some of you guys might know her. Yeah, but she kind of started, just helped lead some of the revolution of worship through Hillsong. And I remember meeting her, and it actually was her and another lady that was there as well, Cindy Crawford, or Cindy Cruz, I should, Cindy Crawford. <laughs> Whoa, Cindy Crawford leads worship? Wow, y'all didn't know that, did you? <laughs> Cindy, Cindy Cruz Radcliffe was there with her. And I remember Darlene Check saying, you know, it's really cool that I get to be in these stadiums and we're in front of tens of thousands of people at times. She said, but for me, home is the reward. And I love that. I, I never forgot that. That was probably 20 plus years ago. And she said, so when you travel and you get to do all the stuff that you do, just remember that home, the place where you've invested your life, planted your seed, put your roots down deep, that's the space that your reward really comes from. And so um, as, as I was on this trip, I noticed a lot of things I wanted to show. I mean, that was literally only, what, three and a half minutes of video. We were there. I was there a full week, a Monday to a Monday, and I just didn't stop the whole time I was there. And we got to really experience a lot of things, being able to invest and impart uh, in a lot of people. And, you know, from that video, there's several things that I realized. Um, Number one, probably the biggest thing is I'm really out of shape. (laughs) Because I'm all, hey, we're going to sweat some pounds out, and I'm ready to dance and jump. And if you've ever been an athlete, you know, they tell you when you're an athlete, make sure that you conserve your energy. Use your energy wisely. Our coaches used to always say the first quarter is the most important because you're going to go out there, you all crunk, and your energy's up, and you can waste all your energy. So I got out there that first song, hey, I'm coming from Florida for the night. We're going to rock and party and do our stuff. And we got through about three quarters of the way through that song, zeal for you, complete. We got done with it, and my heart was beating out of my chest. 
And I, I, I literally, you don't see it, but the second song, the other guy led, and I had to walk to the side of the stage. I was, I was all doing this. I'm like, God. So I was trying to, I was trying, I was hyperventilating. I'm like, dear, dear God, I got some things to work on when I get home. Um, but it was really cool. And there was life and joy and freedom and breakthrough and anticipation and expectation and so many of the things. Now, I understand that that was a conference, right? So this is their 25th anniversary. They're going to put on their best face and best feet and have the best whatever. But I knew that a part of, see, I'm winded right there. Dang. <laughs> Got some work to do. But a part of, a part of what God, I believe, wants to do in us is really, I think in this next season, is continue to challenge us to come up higher and this is not a word of indictment or correction or any of that stuff because you guys are awesome and I was just enjoying today being able to sit in that space of worship and just enjoy that moment but I think there's other levels that God has has got available to us and for us and the other thing that I was super provoked and challenged and charged about is the next generation because I don't know if you saw in that picture But a lot of those people that were on those front rows, they literally cleared out in this room. It would be maybe the first four or five rows just cleared it out and said, we're going to make this front area a dance stage, a dance party. And so that night was celebration. We just went for it and God showed up. But the cool thing that I loved that I saw was the fact that there were so many young people that were on fire for God. Young people. And I'm going to pray for you at the end. But young people that were just desperate for the presence of God and going in. And I felt responsible in part because we're talking about building a legacy. And we're talking about if you just even define the word legacy, the legacy says the definition is it's something that is handed down by a predecessor. It's a generational inheritance. And I started to feel the weight of the responsibility that I have to make sure that I'm handing down to the next generation. And when I say next, I'm not just talking about even age. I'm talking about people who are a part of whatever circle or sphere of influence that God is personally giving me and us as a church. I feel responsible that you receive the inheritance of worship that's on this house. I feel responsible for that. I feel responsible that I can't take you through the experiences that I've had personally. Let me get rid of this thing. Hang on. Stay with me for a minute. Never mind. Um, I can't take you through. I'm trying to get my ears out so it's not bothering me. Uh, Trying to take you through some of the experiences that I've had. I can't. Can somebody come up here and just y'all just looking at me? Help me. Somebody help me get this thing off. You see where it's wrapped around my chain? Talk amongst yourself. We're a family. It's all good. She said, oh, Lord, have mercy. Look at you, boy. She said, thank you. Give it up for Miss Natasha Sievers. <laughs> she came and saved the day. But, but I feel responsible to make sure that there's another batch of you that has the same type of opportunity for the experiences of the presence of God. I feel 
a passion, a desperation that I can't do it for you. I can't walk through it for you. I can't earn it for you. I can't, I can't have my burning bush for you. But my God, we're going to find times and places where the burning bush is burning so you can come in and experience his presence. Come on, come on, come on. We're, we're, we are, we're in a space and, and, and seasons change and music changes and the emphasis of what we do changes and the style changes at time. But what never changes, what always remains the same is the power of the presence of God. And when he shows up and he breathes in a fast song where we're jumping and dancing or he breathes when Ryan Fitz is playing that, that violin and, and you can feel God speaking through it or he breathes in a moment where Pastor Richard is praying or somebody else is doing, when God, those are the things that will never change. And I believe that God is again challenging us in that way. Exodus chapter 24 is where we're going to have for our, our text today. It says, then Moses went up, say went up. Then Moses went up and also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And there they saw the God of Israel. We're going to come back to that in a minute. And there was under his feet, as it were, perked or paved a work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But the nobles of the children of Israel did not lay his hand, so they saw, uh, they saw God and ate and drank. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up. Somebody say, come up. Come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I've written. That you may teach them. I'm going to lean into that a little bit today. He's calling him up to the mountain to experience God, to get the word of the Lord so that he may teach them. Not just take it for himself. So when I go on these experiences, why am I so passionate this morning about making sure I bring it home? Because it's not just for me to go on the mountain. I'm supposed to come back and then teach you how to get there. Right? So here's what Moses does. He says, that and, and the law and the commandments which I've written that you may teach them. So Moses around uh, arose, excuse me, with his assistant Joshua. And Moses went up. Say went up. You see this over and over to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you. And if any man has difficulty, let them go. Verse 15. Then Moses, what? You see it? Moses did what? Oh, went up. It wasn't up yet. Then Moses went up into the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. Lastly, let's just jump down for time's sake down to verse 18. And it says, so Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and he did what? He went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. If you're taking notes, the title of my message is, come up with me. Come up with me. I'm inviting you. I'm beckoning you. I'm calling you. I'm welcoming you. Come up with me. You ever had kids? I'm so grateful for the season that we're in. I know DR and PG talk a lot about their grandkids, but I'm around their grandkids quite a bit. And one of my favorite things about them is we can be eating lunch or doing whatever we're doing. When they're done, you know the first thing they say? Hey, Unc, you want to play? Want to come play? Want to come? Want to play? Want to play? Hey, you want to play? I'm like, I just did two services. I'm tired. 
I'm going to play. Yeah, I want to play. Why? Come up. Come with me. Come with me. I want to show you my new comic book. Come, come with me. I want to show you the latest toy. Come, just come, come with me. Come up. So you see this in this short amount of verses that we just read there. We saw come up, go forward. All those things are the same type of concept. It said here, as I was looking it up, it said that over 800 times the word come up or went up appears in the Old Testament. Now, how many of you know when you see something over and over and over and over again that God's trying to make a point? So in a very short batch of scriptures, you see the same phrase, come up, come up, come up, go up, come up, went up. All of those are the same things. And I realized that that phrase come up or went up is this. It means it's from the derivative of Allah. It means to ascend, to go up, to rise. To offer a sacrifice, an ascension, or going to the mountain or the Zion of, <clears throat> excuse me, going to Zion or the mountain of God. And then the last part of it means, and this is a place that I want to get to, to return to God from a place of suspension. I'm going to say it again. I know I went faster than the other ones. But the point I want you to get this morning is when it's saying come up, went up, go up, it's saying I want you to return to where God is from a place of suspension, which means we are in this life and there's stuff that goes on in every single one of our personal lives. We have things that are going on. A lot of times we can be in the middle of figuring out one job to another or we're in the middle of figuring out to mask or not to mask. We're in the middle of figuring out what church looks like, what schools are supposed to look like. We're in this place of suspension and God says over 800 times just in the Old Testament, come back to me. Come to me. Come up. Because when you go up, as you notice in this passage, it's where, we'll go back to verse 9, it says, so when they went up, all of these people, the 70 elders of Israel, it says in verse 10 that they saw the God of Israel. Now, I find that very interesting because in passages, you won't find exclamation marks in the Bible. But typically when God, again, is trying to emphasize something, he repeats it or he talks about it a bunch of times. Can I tell you all this? The reason why, in part, I'm so challenged is because I feel like there is, there's been a shifting. I won't even say of priority necessarily, but I think there's been a shifting in some ways of expectation, and I will say, and priority in the season that we're in. And it scares me. And it has scared me. And one of the things that I loved, even about being on this trip, y'all know, you don't know this, but Pastor Julian, they were celebrating 25 years, a 25th anniversary. And I felt so honored to be able to be there and to come in and to be able to talk to their team and say to them, hey guys, I'm, I'm walking in, in in May, I'm starting my 30th year. And I could go to them and I could say to them, these are some of the things we've walked through, some of the challenges we've had, some of the stuff that we've had to overcome. These are some of the victories that we've experienced. All of those things you can bring to the table. But Pastor Julian, for this last season, do you realize that he, they are not even online during their praise and worship? During the pandemic, they took their stuff 
offline. Now, if you're watching me online, I see the green light back there. God bless you. Thank you. We want to be a blessing to you. If you're in a hospital room or you're sick to your body and you decided that you were, it was wisdom for you to stay home today, then God bless you. That's why we do this. If there's none of those reasons on the table, you need to be in church. We said right to the camera. I got other stuff to do. Can I tell y'all this? That as a kid, when we're talking about coming to the mountain of God, the presence of God, the place where we hear the voice of God. Are you tracking with me? He's not saying that you can't hear it at home, but he's saying there was a specific thing that he kept saying over and over, come to the mountain of God, go up, come with me, be there, find a way to get to the presence of God. Do you know that as a kid, I was in every activity you could name. I played basketball from the time I was 10 to the time I broke my ankle as a senior in high school. I played peewee league football from the time I was 10 years old as well to the time I broke my ankle in high school (laughs) as a senior. I was in the Cub Scouts. I remember one of the greatest experiences that I had as a Cub Scout was doing the, what they called the Pinewood Derby. Some of y'all won't even know what that is. We used to carve out those little bitty cars and we had the race. Anybody know what I'm talking about or am I just aging myself? Okay, I'm not the only one. Pinewood Derby. And I had a man who helped me and kind of fostered me and, and mentored me because and, I didn't have a dad there, so he was the one who helped me walk through all that stuff. So I did that. I was in groups. I was in activities every day from the time typically I was a latchkey kid with parents who, or mom who worked all day. So I had to go home. I had to figure out how to make my own cereal and <laughs> turn on my cartoons and do all the stuff because I was there by myself. So I did all the stuff. But you know where I was at on Sunday mornings? I was in the house of God. Do you know that? It was, there, it was never an either or proposition. It was never a, what do you want to do today? No, your butt is going to church on Sunday morning. And I'm so passionate about it because everybody's got all the stuff that they're doing. I'm putting my kid in dance. I'm putting my kid in this. My kid is traveling here. I'm, I'm the Uber driver. I'm taking all the stuff. I'm doing all the things. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, God said, come up to me. Come up to my presence. Come up where I'm dwelling so that you can hear the word of the Lord. Somebody sent me a, can you put that up? I saw this and it was hilarious. Somebody sent me a little clip of, uh, if you'll see it, I think those guys have it. It's a little picture. Look at that. There is a 0.0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. I'm sorry, your kid's not going to the NFL. Okay? But there's a 100% chance that your child is going to stand before Jesus. Get them to church. Get them here. Do you understand that all of the experiences that I've had, guys, the best moments of my life, thinking about, I'll say the most recent stuff, the gator stuff. I don't talk about it every service, but I talk about it a lot. I wear the big gaudy ring so I can be reminded that God did, did the impossible. But you know what I think about when I think about the gator stuff? I think about being on the sidelines. 
I think about traveling with the team. For those of you who are new or have never heard the testimony, the long and the short of it is, I was the chaplain for the Florida Gators when the Florida Gators football team was good. <laughs> I was their chaplain. <laughs> and I traveled every single week with them. Those of you who don't know, I was gone many times till 3 o'clock in the morning. And I would drive from Gainesville, Florida to our service and start service at 9 o'clock and do two of them. And I did it every week for almost three years. And I had the greatest experiences. And I've been able to use this ring to testify the goodness of God for now 13 years. It opens doors. It gives me access. It puts me in rooms where I probably shouldn't be. It gives me conversations with people that I maybe would never have had. But the reason why I'm saying this is because of all of my memories of getting the ring, of being on the stage with 40,000 people one time, and they had me sing a song, of all the stuff that I remember, do you know what sticks out the most to me? It was the times when a player who didn't know Jesus and wasn't interested in the things of God would slowly have the, the barriers and the layers fall off of him. It was the times when after a chapel, I would sit with somebody who didn't even know where David was at in the Bible and say, I want to know about this God that you've made so enticing to me. Do you know it wasn't being in the stadiums of 90,000 people and hearing the roars and all the stuff? Do you know that the best thing that I remember about the day of the national championship was not that we won and got a ring? It was that four Hours before these young men were about to go to the biggest game of their life, I got a text from Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow said to me, hey, PL, I wonder if you could bring up your acoustic guitar to my room because there's a batch of us who want to have a time of worship before the national championship. They could have been calling their parents. They could have been texting, emailing, Facebooking, doing all the stuff. But they wanted to be in the presence of God. They wanted to come up. They wanted to be around where God could speak to them. And there's something desperate about it. And that moment where I got to hear this man tell me, Tebow said, sitting on a bed next to a big old 300-pound lineman, Phil Troutwine, I'm sitting on the floor. They're asking us to me to sing the same song that we sang every game, Majesty. I start playing the guitar. They start singing. It's ugly as all get out. <laughs> they all off key, all loud, all terrible, but beautiful at the same time. Right? Talk about making a joyful noise. That is the epitome of that scripture. <laughs> But these suckers are singing. And Tebow says, I can't guarantee it, but I can feel like as clearly as I'm telling you right now, we're going to win this game. And he said, when we win this game, I promise you that I'm going to give all the glory to God. His eye black, one of the most sought after things, one of the most Google things of the entire day or night or season or year or whatever it was. 
And the first thing he said is, I'd like to give thanks and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because without him, the whole, the whole, that's what I remember. So take your kid to dance class. Have your events, some of you people who are retired and you're in leagues and you're playing, you know, sports and doing some of the stuff that you're doing. You're busy. You're doing. I get it. But if you if you call it an either or proposition, you're missing what the Bible says. And you're missing what Moses was so intent about doing. When he was in the presence of God, he learned he experienced and he taught. He learned, he experienced it, and then he taught it. He sent it to another generation. In verse, um, in verse 13, it says, So Moses went with his assistant Joshua. And this is the part that really was very sobering to me. It says, he went with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, wait for us. Jump to verse 15, if you would. It says, then Moses went up into the mountain, and the cloud covered him. Now the glory of God rested on him on the Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And there's something to me about this whole concept. I don't know if you've, any of you have had the experience or the privilege, the honor of going to Israel. We did this about four years ago, or maybe five, I can't remember. But, I've, you know, of course, as a kid who was raised with the Bible, I was, you hear the stories. You hear about the caves, and you hear about the mountains, and you see all the stuff. You hear about Nazareth, Nazareth and Bethlehem and all the different places. Well, we got to go. So it was one of the coolest things because we're driving down the road with our tour guide, and you look up and there's a sign that literally says Bethlehem or Nazareth or some of these places that we see in the Bible. And I realized that through these stories, I don't have time to do it, but I'm a real big backstory guy. So I really feel like when you're reading the Bible, you have to put it in context. You got to understand it's real people, real scenarios, real situations that they went through. And so what I realize every time now I see the word mountain in the Bible I can visually see some of the places we went to. And these mountains are high. It's not like a hill over in, you know, North Ocala or whatever. These are actual mountains. So when you're talking about he went up to the mountain of God, how many of you know it takes effort to get to the mountain of God? It takes effort. Your mind will always talk you out of there's something else I can be doing. I've got more important things. I've got stuff that's on my agenda. My family's here. My time is here. My stuff. And I get that. But I'm saying there was something about even them getting physically up to the mountain that took work for them. So you got to remember then that in these time frames, as they're walking up the mountain, sometimes there would be a day or two days or three days. So you realize through that process, there are conversations being had because Moses took his servant, his assistant, Joshua, with him. He didn't go by himself. So while they are walking up the mountain, there is no Spotify playlist. Right? There's no Google search. There's no all the stuff. So think about it. They're walking. They're trekking up a mountain. They probably have backpacks 
and all the stuff that they have to do, they, they have to carry their food. They got to take their water. They might have to stop and kill something to eat. We don't know what the whole process was. But what I realized is, to me, this is a picture of where we are today, guys. There is stuff for us to do while we're walking to the mountain. I know you got to feed your kids. Like, I get it. Like, I get that you have to make sure that they're sussed out and taken care of, that they can get them from school to where they got to be. And, and I know that, again, some of you wonderful, beautiful seniors, which I'm so grateful to have the variety and diversity of people in this church. I love it. And I get it. Some of you have already worked your 30 years, 40 years. You put the clock in. You did the stuff. You did the get up every morning. And you, I mean, so we're at this whole wide spectrum of people. But Moses had to intentionally walk up the mountain. And he knew that it was critical that not only did he go, but that he take somebody with him. And I'm going to be super honest and try to be as careful as I can. But I was the last speaker at the conference on Saturday. So I'm like, why did you put me last? I got to follow all these dudes, all these pastors and these guys who do what they do. And they put me last. So he had asked me, he said, I want you to preach about, you know, praise and worship and, you know, talk about tearing down kingdoms and strongholds and building up stuff and da, da, da. And I said, I said, yes, sir, I'll do that. So I did that in my opening statement. <laughs> Praise and worship tears down kingdoms. It opens up strongholds. It breaks open heaven. This is what praise and worship does. But let me tell you where I'm at right now. I said, I don't want to bring you down. I know we're rah, rah, woo, woo, big conference. But I almost quit three years ago. So I told him, I said, it sucked for a while. It was terrible. It was hard for me. It was a season where I was just like frustrated. And this was, this was pre-COVID, by the way. So I was going through it. And I just said, look. I've had to walk through some stuff. And part of what was so devastating for me is my Joshua or the people or the things and making sure that we're pulling folks to the next level. I felt like some of that was gone. I'm just going to be honest with you. So transitioning and moving through seasons, I realized that this investment and this, I want to take you with me. And this, I want you to hear why we do what we do, Raymond. When I'm playing and I'm showing you how to play the keyboard, I'm not just wanting you to play patches back there. I want you to understand that you can shift an atmosphere. I want you to know that they asked me on this service to get on the keyboard. You know why? Because I could take the room where we wanted it to go. That's what I'm saying. So when I'm investing in you guys and saying, let's, let's lean into what we're doing for worship, or I'm asking you to lift your hands, let's go in with worship passionately. When I'm doing all those things, it's, it's me trying to be a Moses to a Joshua. Because <laughs> I don't want to just experience it myself. I want you to know how to break through. And I told them, I said, praise and worship that I talk about, preach about, I had to live it out during a season. And I walked them through this whole passage that I had never even seen until I got there in that moment. I preached something I never preached before. But I realized it's the principles that I was learning while I was walking up the mountain. 
It's the principles that I was learning when my mom said, you don't have an option, boy. You're going to church in the morning. What are you talking about? It's the principles that I learned even when I didn't want to, when I couldn't figure it out or I'm a little kid, but I'm still around the presence of God and I'm, I'm watching. And l- listen, I had crazy people in my church, okay? They were crazy. Rolling on the floor and calling out and spitting up devils. I mean, literally. I saw all the stuff. But something about being in an atmosphere that I ne- couldn't necessarily put a finger on there was still something that resonated with me that this is where the presence of God is. I don't have time to go all into it, but I'll read a couple of verses that are probably the pivotal thing that I want to drive home this morning. Jump down with me to verse, um, for t- sake of time, Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. It says, and it was Moses' practice it was Moses' practice. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. And everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go up to the tent of meeting. In other words, he set it up in front of them. He showed them how to do it. And everyone who wanted to go up to make a request would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And verse 11 says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would do what? He would speak to Moses. Some of you need an assignment for your next season. Some of you need a a word of the Lord for what this next phase of your life is going to look like. Is anybody witness with that? You need heaven to show you your job, your relationship. How am I going to walk through this victory? How am I going to overcome this bondage? You need heaven. So it says here, in that tent of meeting, God literally would speak to Moses face to face like I'm talking to you as a friend. So clearly he had a relationship with him. Now watch this. Here's the tough part. It says here afterwards, Moses will return to the camp, but his assistant, this guy who he'd been pouring into, the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, he loved God so much that he would remain behind in the tent of meeting. In other words, he loved the presence of God so much that when Moses would leave, Joshua would stay. And he'd linger. And he'd be around the things of God. And he wanted to drink in and bathe in and experience all that God had for him and hear the word of the Lord and hear the voice of God and be around the greatness of our God. Now, here's what happens here in verse, jump down to Judges now, chapter 2. This is my last scripture. Judges chapter 2, verse 6 says this. After Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land that had been allotted to them. Verse 7, and the Israelites served the Lord throughout the Israelites, watch this, served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. We're building a legacy. We're building a legacy. We're building a legacy, not just a building. So it says here that they served Joshua throughout, excuse me, served the Lord Throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. And I love it. We don't do it here because it can turn into a mess. 
But I used to love sometimes when we'd have testimony service. And that old mama would get up and say, I'd like to thank the Lord for saving me. I'd like to thank the Lord for, you know, you might know what I'm talking about, <laughs> for being saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then she'd jump into, <laughs> she'd jump into some old, old song in the key of Z, and <laughs> nobody could find where she was going. But I love that part because at least they were testifying of the goodness of God. So it says, it says here that all those people who testified and remembered what God done walked it out. Verse 8, the, then Joshua, the son of the nun, the servant of the Lord, he died at age 110. And they buried him in the land that had been allocated, allocated to him, the hill country, all these places I can't read the names of. And here's the verse that gets me every time. And after that generation died. Another generation grew up who did not, didn't say no, acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. We're building a building. We're setting up heaven and creating the space and the opportunity. But God forbid there be a generation that comes after us that doesn't know the Lord, that doesn't acknowledge him, that hasn't had their own burning bush experience, that the greatest thing that they have had in their life is a trip to Disney. The greatest memory they have is the bike that they got or the PlayStation or the PS whatever. I don't even know what the game systems are. This is not an indictment. I'm just telling you that the greatest memories I have are when God showed up. So we don't have time to go into it. But what we know is that Joshua loved the presence of God. He hung around the presence of God. What I have never seen before until somebody gave me this devotional is that somewhere between Joshua lingering in the presence of God, being around it, hanging out with Moses, you see that Joshua did great exploits. He won land. He showed people how to overcome in business and the natural things. He was one who was able to conquer his kingdom. He was one who did all the things in the natural the right way. I'm almost done. Hang with me for a moment more. He did all the stuff in the natural right, but somewhere... Joshua didn't pass down the spiritual inheritance that belonged to the people. Somehow, Joshua didn't pass that down. And I don't know why. I don't know where it was missed. Learn how to do your retirement. Get your money right. Get your health right. Invest in land if you can. Do have experiences. Travel the globe. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Live your life. We enjoy our lives. But can I beg you to please not to forget to pass down the spiritual inheritance that belongs to your children and your children's children? And if you don't have children, the people at work or the folks you're coming across relationship with, can I help you? Can I, can I urge you that as we move into this next season of life as a church, that you young people 
will know how to enter into the presence of God. That he will lead the way when we have our next night of worship. And I say, open up this front. That you'll run down here because you want to worship God. It's my responsibility. I feel the, I feel the weight of it. I know it's not on me. I get it. I'm not, I get that. But I need you to know it. I need you to get it. I need you to understand it. It's those things that we're hungry about. It's that stuff that's going to change you. It's the, it's the moments that I've spent in church that I learned how to deal with an atmosphere so I could walk into a room full of guys who didn't know Jesus and play an acoustic guitar and invite the Holy Spirit. I learned that because church and the presence of God and going up was bigger than my football camp. You might be in the point zero two 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 whatever percent that was, but probably not. Do you know I was in the room with the very best athletes in the country? When you figure it's the best team, these are the best athletes in the country, and the vast majority of them didn't go to play professional football? Some of them did. Do you know that all the impart, impartation and investment that you spent or not spent or whatever else it comes down to, come up with me. Come up with me. Come up with us. I've already had reports of it. People are now driving by. They're seeing the rumblings of a new building. They see construction. It, the days that I spend here, I'm, I'm almost done, I promise. But the days that I spend here, I'm not in the office all the time. But if you stand outside of that door for half an hour, you see thousands of cars go by. And now people are, people are in, in, curious. Let's call it what it is, nosy, most of them. <laughs> oh, what's going on there? Oh, it's happening now. <laughs> it is what it is. But I want the people that are in this room to know how to come up. If you are in the, between the ages of 25 and zero, walk down here to the front. Come quickly. Come quickly. 25 and zero. In other words, 25 and under. You can go ahead and play that track for me so I have a little bit of something. Look at this daggone room. That's probably not the song I want played, though, but a little bit of just like light music behind me. I would have Raymond play, but I want to pray for you. Look at me right in the eyeballs. When I was your age, in the middle of all the stuff that I had going on in my own life, I had a mama who said, your butt's going to church. And she didn't care that I had basketball practice and football practice and Cub Scouts and all the other stuff. She said, you're going to church because you're going to meet with God. And she could only make me do as much as she could make me do. At some point, there had to be a turning in my own heart where I desired him. And I wanted him. And I recognized that he was more important than any of the other stuff that my life was going to even consist of. And I'm asking you, young people, 
I don't know when we're going to do it again. Probably soon. We're going to have another night of worship. And if you saw that video where those kids were jumping and dancing and going hard for God, how about that be the legacy that you start and get ready to pass on? How, how, how about we be known for that crazy church out on 441 where young people are just so desperate for God, I've never seen anything like it. How about we, I know it's, I know it's weird sometimes and you're at such a critical age. Bryn, that's why I'm so happy you're playing bass. You know how happy I am? Because you're helping me fulfill my Moses assignment. And I got to have a Joshua who'll go with me and stay with me and walk it out. Some of you who've got giftings that are inside of you. Norm, I think about the artistic grace that's on you. The call of God. The ability to walk it out and to lead. I'm charging you in the name of Jesus. Come up. Come up. Come up. We'll talk with Pastor Tristan and Pastor Kristen. And we'll, I, I, I don't know how else to implement you. I want you on this platform. I want you using your gifts and your skills and your talents. You have a seat at the table in this house. This is not for old people. It's for you and old people. <laughs> right? I'm in that, that bad. So I'm not the young dude anymore. Oh, that was the other thing I learned. I'm not the young dude anymore. <laughs> Whew, I was tired, man. I just felt God. Come up with me. Come play with me. Come worship with me. Come. You're welcome. I invite you in all of your stuff. Come with us. Lift up your hands. All of you. Father, in Jesus' name. If you could point your hands forward and just pray. God, in Jesus' name. I ask you right now. I ask you. I don't know what Moses said to Joshua. I don't know what those conversations were like as they were walking up the side of the mountain, but I ask you to speak to these young people. I ask you to charge them. I ask you to help them to set you as a priority. God, they're here in the house of God, so clearly somebody's mama said, you're going to church today. But they're here, so now I ask you, God, to please breathe into them. Let the gifts of God live. Let the talents, let the callings, let the things of your spirit and your presence and your anointing, let it live in every single one of them. And God, I charge them and I say, come up with me. Come up with us. Come up with us. And be in the house of God. And hear the things of God. And experience the mountaintop with us. Lord, the pressure of being a young person in this day, I can't imagine. The pressure of social media, TikTok, visible pressure, access to everything imaginable. God, 
We, I speak right now, I speak a hedge of protection around them in the name of Jesus. And that everything that the enemy wants to come in and attach to them at this age, in G, come on, pray, saints. In the name of Jesus, I speak a guard around your mind, around your eyes, around your experiences. And let it not be that they had to go through something dirty and devilish to walk. Lord, let them be covered now by the grace of God and the Spirit of God. And we thank you that you've made room for them. Lift your hands, come real high now, and just say, Jesus, right now, I submit I surrender and I thank you for the invitation to come up higher. Let my days, all the days ahead, be ahead, be stronger and closer and closer to you. God, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, God. I know I'm going a little long, but he's here. We won't lose this generation. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. We're done. But if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to give you literally about 30 seconds. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you don't know him, if you have not had relationship with him, if you've not asked him to come in your heart to forgive you of your sins, you want to do it right now, today, lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you in this room. I see you. Oh, I see you in the back. Wow. So, Father, you see those. And in Jesus' name, we pray that, God, you would come into our lives, heal us, take away sin, and draw us close to your presence, and we'll live for you. Forgive us, God. And just let us come into your house, into your home to play with you, to be with you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, give Jesus a shout. Come on, young people, shout. Shout. She's looking at me like I'm crazy. Come on, give him praise if God did something today. You guys can take your seats. You can take your seats. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.